0: Good morning. It's great to be here this morning. I, uh, I was here, I think, a month or two ago doing a youth report, but I always enjoy coming out to Balfour. It, uh, it reminds me a lot of home, actually. I grew up in a, in a small town of Alberta, and just, you know, the worship here and the atmosphere and kind of the culture of this church really reminds me of home. And so it's always a blessing to be here. I, uh, I also want to bring greetings from the Nelson Church. Um, we love you, and we're, we're joining you in prayer as we lift up Jason and Tracy during this time with them being away. And so I want you to let you know that um, we're praying with you, and together we're lifting them up. I also, uh, as Elaine reminded me of it, I'm also on the Ecuador trip, and uh, I'm really excited. Unfortunately, I can't be here next week for the fundraiser. I'm off to Chicago for the Covenant Church midwinter. Um, But, um, yeah, I really encourage you to come on out to that. And for those of you who remember, when we did a soup fundraiser for the chick, kind of the the youth conference we went to, it's very similar to that. It's all donation-based, and we would just, we'd love to fellowship with you and for you to meet the team that's going out. And what fills my heart with joy about it is that the Ecuador trip, when they were planning it, they said, this isn't going to be a youth missions trip. It's not going to be a youth mission trip, we're going to open up the whole congregation, we want everybody, you know, to feel welcome to join, but it fills my heart with joy that half the team are youth anyways, and it's really encouraging for me to see youth from Nelson and from Balfour to be able to um, want to join in in what God's doing globally, and even though it's not a youth team, they're just rising up and they're getting on board with it, and it's really awesome to, to be a part of that and to go with them, so I'm really excited about that. Our scripture today is going to be in Mark, It's Mark chapter 1, and it's verses 16 to 20. So if you want to turn there to read along with me, feel welcome to. It's a nice and short and sweet scripture, but we'll read that together. So this is Mark 1, verses 16 to 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so grateful for this opportunity to come together and worship worship in, in various ways, Lord, and I just pray that, um, that you'd be with me and speak through me, Lord, and that um, what you have to say to us today would really um, be heard by our ears and by our hearts. And, uh, yeah. Amen. There are a lot of times in our lives when our name is called out by people, and we have different relationships with them, and when we hear somebody call out to us, you know, our name... It can invoke some different reactions within ourselves, different emotions, um, different, yeah, different kind of reactions. When you think about your childhood and your parents would call it your name, that can invoke a few different reactions. You know, it could be um, you suddenly remember what chore you were supposed to do that you didn't quite do, or you, you know, sense the urgency in your parents' voice and you go to them. Or if you're, if you're like me. And I did this kind of survey last time I talked about this, so I just wanted to ask all the mothers in the room. I want to see if it's just my mom that did this. Have you ever called your, your kid's name, but when you're really upset with them, you call the full name, middle names included? <laughs> Has anybody, anybody, any of the mothers done that here? Okay. My mom used to do that. And so whenever she'd say, Blair, I, I knew I was, I was okay, but if she ever said, Blair Robert William Lewis, The whole four names, I knew that I was in big trouble and suddenly I would remember what I was supposed to do or what I shouldn't have done that I had been doing and I knew I was in trouble. Also in your childhood, maybe at school when the teacher calls out your name, it uh, might have a few different reactions as well. If you're the student who had your hand up, you might get excited, you might get nervous. What if you get it wrong? Or if you're like me, I didn't really have my hand up ever, so when the teacher called my name, it was rarely a good thing. So now I'm starting to sense a pattern in my own life here. Or even later on further in your life when you're married and your spouse says your name. It can invoke a few different reactions. You know, if my wife says my name in a loving way, I know that uh, she's in a good mood. It's going to be great. It's going to be a nice day. But there are some times when she says my name when I think, well, maybe I should pick up some flowers on the way home from work tomorrow. (laughs) So different reactions we get from different times people call out to us. And today we're going to be focusing on when God calls out to us. And when he calls us to follow him. And I want to talk about what it means, both for these fishermen and what they experience, but for us. And what I love about being able to speak is when you get into God's Word, but then you also kind of explore the context and and what's going on there, you realize that every single verse in God's Word is just packed full. right? And so whenever I've read this passage, I kind of just breeze through it. You know, Jesus is calling the disciples. That's great. I get this mental image in my head of these men who are out fishing and Jesus calls them. And they just kind of say, well, that sounds better than what i got going on here. And they just take off and they go. Or maybe they knew Jesus beforehand. So for us today, I want to explore what's going on in this scene. I want to explore the context. I want to kind of talk about who these men are and what they had going on there, and what it meant for them to respond to this call that Jesus is making to them. And I want to also kind of draw parallels to the call that Jesus makes in our lives, what that means for us, and what it means for us to fulfill that call fully. Because there are a lot of people here who have responded to that call that Jesus says, follow me, and we are following Christ, but there are a lot of things that this call actually means that maybe we're falling short of, or maybe we need a reminder of what that means in our lives. And I'm going to kind of break it down into four points. A couple of them are talking about what this call means or some different things about it. And then the other two are going to be about um, how we can fulfill that call. And so the first one is that this call is very, very unexpected, both for these fishermen and for us. Now, I want to explore a little bit the history of Galilee, and you can kind of understand who these fishermen are. And I'm going to talk about the education system they had there. The education system they had in Galilee, is that every town would hire a rabbi or a teacher, and this rabbi would come and they'd be in charge of teaching the children. And the children, ages about five or six, boys and girls, they'd go off to school, and they would learn from this rabbi, and they would kind of study the Torah, or kind of the early part of the Old Testament, and they would um, they would learn to read and write Hebrew, and that's, that's what they did. Another thing that they had to do before they finished this is they had to memorize most, if not all, of the Torah. Isn't that crazy? Memorizing whole books of the Bible? And the reason they did that is because most towns only had one scroll of the Torah. And I always, whenever I think about this, I get this mental image of our head. If we were in a similar situation, we'd get up in the morning and we want to do our devotions, but we'd have to drive down here to the church and we'd have to line up out the door because right here was the only copy of God's Word we had. And so, and so what they memorized it, <laughs> they memorized it so that they could recite God's Word wherever they were. They didn't need to come here and read the Torah because they had it in their mind. And so whether they were working, whether they were waking up or going to sleep, they'd be able to meditate on God's Word. And I think that's something that, that we've missed. You know, I think we rely so much on the fact that we have so many copies of God's Word that we that we don't really memorize it. And what's our excuse when we got these five or six-year-olds that are memorizing whole books of the Bible? And so I think that's something. That's just a little side note, but... That's something we should definitely be getting into again. At the end of this elementary school, I'll call it that. It's probably not the actual name. Uh, they would kind of have a cut. And so the very top students that finished that, they'd get to advance. Everyone else went home, and they were done. And what they, they learned some great things, reading, writing, and memorized the Torah. It was fantastic, but they weren't good enough to advance. And so they'd go home, and they would learn their family trade and you know different trades like carpentry, um, fishing, all sorts of different things. The next level was called Beth Midrash. Beth Midrash, I'm just going to call it high school or secondary school. Again, they would um, learn from the rabbi, but they would learn about different interpretations of the Torah, and they'd start exploring the prophets. They'd go deeper in it, and it would be harder, and they would study that. At the end of that, they'd have another cut. And so the very top, so we're talking the best of the best now, got to move on. Everyone else went home, just like the rest of them. They learned the family trade. The rest of them who made the top, so not very many, what they would do for their next step is that they would go out, they'd leave their homes, and they would seek out a rabbi. And oftentimes this rabbi was not not the one that taught them when they were kids. They'd seek out a different one, kind of a traveling rabbi. And they would go to the rabbi and they would say, Can I follow you? They would ask him that. And the rabbi would look at them. And maybe the rabbi had questions for them. Maybe the rabbi you know, went and consulted with their original rabbi who taught them all this, see what kind of student they were. And if they were good enough, the rabbi would allow it. And they'd be able to follow him. So when you think about it, the ones who got to end up following the rabbi, they were the best of the best of the best. They were the very top students. Very few of them. We don't know... Where these fishermen didn't make the cut. It could have been at the beginning, could have been Beth Midrash, could have been they got turned down by a rabbi. But at some point someone told them that they weren't good enough to pursue more knowledge of God. You know, they weren't they weren't smart enough, they didn't make the cut. And so there's two things that are very unusual and unexpected that are happening here when Jesus comes to them. The first thing is that they were ones who didn't make the cut. They were fishermen. They weren't scholars. Jesus Christ could have easily went out and found these amazing other rabbis or even students who were really smart and could be able to engage in great conversation, but he didn't. He went to these fishermen. He went to the ones who were told they weren't good enough. And the second part that's really unexpected is that he went to them in the first place. Rabbis never sought out students. Students would always seek out the rabbi. You know that. So. Right away, there's something very weird happening here. And I bet you it really caught the fishermen off guard to have Jesus come up to them and say, not only are you not good enough, or in their being told you're not good enough in Galilee, but I'm coming to you. And I want you to follow me. For us in our lives, you know, I have the privilege of working with youth, but something I see in our culture is this constant message that we're not good enough. We're not good enough for stuff. We're not good enough. We have to do all these things in order to achieve happiness, in order to achieve wealth, and and even in religion, there are so many religions in the world that what they do is they come to you and they say, Here's a list of things that you have to do, things that you have to be in order to reach God, in order to be good enough. That's the whole message of this world. And Jesus calling us to follow him goes against that message. You know, in Romans it talks about how we've all fallen short. And we're all sinful, and yet Jesus comes to us exactly where we are in our lives, and He's calling out to us personally. He's calling you, inviting you to follow Him. He definitely didn't have to do that. But in God's grace He's doing that for us. So that's the first thing is that this call is really unexpected. The second part is that in order to fulfil this call, it requires Allah of sacrifice. A misconception that I've had about these fishermen is that they're poor. That's just kind of the mental image we get. Fishermen, you know, maybe they're just scraping by, by what they can get. But what we need to understand is that the lakes of Galilee where they're fishing was actually teeming with fish. These fishermen did really well. No I wouldn't consider them the richest in Galilee, but they were definitely, I'd put them at maybe upper middle class. So they weren't poor, they had financial security. The other important thing we need to remember is that they were participating in their family trade, in their family trade because they were. They're were talking about how they're with their fathers, right? And so family trades got passed down from generation to generation, and that's not very common in our world today, is it? You know, not a lot of us. You know, there are some instances of this happening, but most people don't. You know, dream of their children becoming plumbers like they are or becoming, you know, in their trade. Oftentimes, when our kids graduate high school, we go to them and we say, hey, what do you want to do with your life? What are your dreams? What are your aspirations? And they tell us. And then we say, go, go seek out education, go fulfill your dreams. That's what we do. My family were farmers, and we actually got a plaque from, I think it was about 10 years ago, from the government of Alberta, and it said, congratulations to the Lewis family for farming the same land for 100 years. You know, we got a plaque. That was a big achievement. But when we realize what's happening in Galilee with these family trades, that's not really that impressive. Because not only would family trades go down generation to generation, they would span centuries, hundreds of years. These fishermen might have been part of a family trade that had gone on for hundreds of years. Not just, you know, grandpa, dad and son business, you know, it went back way further than that. And so we need to realize that these fishermen are actually giving up everything to follow Jesus. It doesn't really talk about them having a hard decision or thinking about it. They just kind of left their nets, but we have to realize that that was a big moment for them. They gave up everything to follow Jesus. They gave up their financial security. Jesus was not offering a compensation package for them following him. He didn't give them a salary or anything like that. He just said, follow me. So they would give up their, not super rich, but their financial security. They also gave up their family trade. And so when you think about this family trade that's spanning centuries, it doesn't say that these men had children. And so when they left, that was it. They were cutting off that family, you know, family line of fishermen. And that was it. They are giving out the family trade. And family was everything in Galilee. In the same way, when Jesus is calling out to us to follow him, we have to surrender everything to God. We have to... Let God reign in every area of our lives. Now, a family trade might not be something that we hold very dearly, but there are a lot of things in our lives, I think, that we hold on to or we kind of value and would be very difficult to give up to God. Some of those things might be your career. could be your financial security. could be your spouse or your marriage. could be your kids. There's a lot of things that we hold on to. But Jesus is asking us to to follow him and in order to do that we have to give up everything to him. We have to let him reign in every area of our lives. And I'm really guilty of this, but I often feel like I'll talk the talk, but I won't always walk the walk. I'll, you know, I'll sit here and I'll worship God and I'll say, you know, I give everything up to you God, but maybe I'm only giving him 95%. Maybe there's something in my life or something in your life that we're holding on to deep down in our hearts that would be really hard If God asked for that, you know, if God, and God is asking to reign in every area of our lives, and so there's often, you know, this small voice in the back of our heads that, as we're saying that we're surrendering everything to God, we're we're saying, you know, so long as it's not my family, so long as it's not my career, my material possessions, my family's financial security, but God is asking to reign in everything, and in order to fully follow Him, we have to let Him reign in every area area of our lives to be the King of our lives. The third is that this call is a journey. When Jesus went to these disciples, or these fishermen, who were to be disciples, he didn't say, are you on board? And they said yes, and he snapped his fingers, and he said, okay, go out and fish for men. He didn't say that. He said, come follow me. I'm going to kind of go back a little bit into the education system here. Now, my wife is a teacher, And while she loves her students, the way our education system is set up here in Canada is that the relationship with her students is they have to fulfill certain things, certain objectives, right? They have to learn and they have to score well on tests. They have to do well on assignments. And then if they did well enough, she would give the stamp of approval that they could advance to the next grade. And that's kind of the relationship she has with her students. With the rabbis and those who followed them, There was no pop quizzes. The rabbi wouldn't sit down and say, okay, I would like you to write me an essay on this certain interpretation of the Torah. I'd like to have it by the end of the semester. That didn't happen. What they did is these, the reason why these people would leave their homes to follow the rabbi is because they would watch the rabbi. They would watch the rabbi in what he does. They would be thinking to themselves, where's the rabbi going? What is the rabbi doing? Who is the rabbi talking to? How does he talk to them? How does the rabbi handle money? How does the rabbi do this or that? And their entire objective was so that they could become like the rabbi. That's what they do. They would watch him so that they could become like him. It wasn't that they would think, oh, that's great what he's doing. I'm just, I'm going to think about that, but I might just do it my own way. No, they wanted to become like him. And in the same way, when we're called to follow Jesus, we're called to follow this rabbi to watch him and to become like Christ, right? And this is a journey. This is something that's going to take our whole lives. And it was something that took these disciples' whole lives. You know, there was no magic moment where they suddenly got it and they were just just exactly like Christ, right? In fact, we read lots of times throughout the Gospels about how the disciples had it wrong. They often, you know, got into squabbles with each other or they would say something and Jesus would have to correct them. And so it was a journey for them and in the same way it's a journey for us. And we often hear about these stories about people who feel rejected by the church or by Christians because they feel like um, Christians are looking down on them. Or even you hear about these problems that, that are in churches and, and people have this idea that they're kind of superior, that there's some sort of hierarchy in Christianity and in following Jesus. But that's not the case. We are all disciples of Jesus who are walking together together And our eyes should not be on how everyone else is doing and how how the non-believers are doing, but in how we should be following Christ and Christ calls us all to walk together behind him. So this is a journey. Fourth thing is that this call demands a response. Jesus didn't go up to these fishermen and he didn't say, here's what I'm offering, I want you to think about it. I'm going to go stay in the hotel for a couple of days. If you have any questions, come talk to me and we'll work this out. That's not what happened. In fact, I, I think that if these men had maybe hesitated or even you know, wanted to ask some questions, I don't know if Jesus would have stuck around. You know, I, I'm not sure if that would have happened. Jesus made a call that demanded a response to them and a call that demands a response from us. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is calling out to you, is calling out to me, by name that he wants us to follow him and how can we sit here and just think oh that's great god i'm going to think about it and i'm going to get back to you in a couple days or you know we'll we'll talk about it later i'm good right now that doesn't really happen it's like we're at a fork in the road when god is calling us and we have to continue on a path and luckily in god's grace he doesn't just offer it you know to us at one point in our lives and that's it you know because he loves us he, he makes that offer to us you know Continually throughout our whole lives, but there's no such thing as not giving an answer when He's calling out to us at a certain point. Today, I want us to to think about a call that happened to these disciples and to think about what it meant for them to fulfill that call. And I want us to also look into our own lives and to think are we fully answering that call that Jesus is making out to us? Are we doing everything? that he's actually asking of us to do in order to follow him. We need to realize that this call is so unexpected. You know, in John 15, Jesus says that we didn't choose him, he chose us. He chose us first. He chose to call out to us. And it's an extremely unexpected thing that goes against everything in this world, you know, both in Galilee and in our culture today. This is a call that demands that we... Surrender our entire lives to Jesus. Everything. Let God reign in everything. Don't hold on to any part of our lives and try to still be the king of it. This is a call that's a journey and we need to realize that as we're following Jesus, you know, we need to be studying, studying Him. You know, like the, um, the students of the rabbi, they would, they would study the rabbi and we're thinking, well, Jesus isn't here to, you know, physically walk around and we can leave our homes and follow Him. But right here, is where we can be looking into God's Word. And we need to be thinking like those students thought. You know, we need to be reading the Gospels and in God's Word and just thinking, you know, like, where did Jesus go? And who did Jesus talk to? How did He talk to them? You know, how did Jesus talk about handling money or different issues or conflict and stuff like that? And as we study our rabbi, we'll find ourselves journeying towards being like Him and and becoming like Christ, which is a journey that's going to take our whole lives. And if you feel that you haven't responded to this call that Jesus is making out to us like he made out to these fishermen. You can respond to that call today. And we need to think about whether we're fully living out that call. Let's pray together.